This is the W2 Prison Break Show, and I'm your host, Brian O'Neill. My mission through real-life examples is to give you the knowledge, the confidence, the mindset, and the inspiration to break free from your nine-to-five and start the business that you have always known lives inside of you. If that interests you, stick around. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Really looking forward to this guest today. I brought on a gentleman by the name of Jay Helms. And here's what we're going to talk about today. The easy way to double your real estate portfolio and exit your W-2 in the next three to five years. That's what Jay's going to help us with. He's done it. He's helped several people do it. We're going to talk about doing deals in today's market. You can still do deals in today's market. You're going to hear some cool stories. And Jay is just a super awesome guy. And I want you to make sure that you're writing down diligent notes because you're going to learn a lot in this episode. Let's get right to it. Jay, welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show. Brian, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. You got it. Before we get into this, I want the listeners to know that Jay reached out to me on LinkedIn, and which is a great site. I think it's underutilized. You can feel free to talk about it. But he actually messaged me. We have some mutual acquaintances. He messaged me with an idea for a topic for the episode. He said, hey, I think that I have an idea. Let's talk about this. And I said, we're booking it. So <laughs> really, I just got to give kudos to you. I mean, just really well thought out. And I mean, that's how you DM people on social media, in my opinion. Like you just brought the value straight to the audience. You didn't try to like sell me something or get to know me. It was just, hey, this is what I think we should do. What do you think? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw you on your podcast host, right? And so this translates directly over to how I've been approached from potential partners. And they say, hey, I have this deal. I would love to underwrite it with you. Would you mind looking at it with me? And I know there's an idea of us potentially partnering on it together. And it's all about, I'm trying to transition to do more of that. I have not traditionally done that. So the feedback that you gave me on that was incredible, but it's basically just trying to echo what I know has worked well for us and in our investing and doing the same thing. We have a really great deal. Maybe we're raising money for it. Maybe we just want an extra pair of eyes. We take it to somebody who we think may be interested and it just works, right? It just works. Adding value, right? Totally. Totally. And getting right to the point, which I love too. We're all busy, yeah. <laughs> We're all busy people. So folks, the topic that Jay mentioned to me on LinkedIn, because you're probably all on the edge of your seat, is the easy way to double your portfolio and exit your W-2 in the next three to five years. That's what we're going to talk about today. A lot of other stuff related to that, but that's the main topic. Before we get into that, we always love a good W-2 prison break story. Jay has one and I'm going to let him tell it. <laughs> In your words, just tell us about your journey and how you got to the point where you were DMing me on LinkedIn to get yeah. a show and help people exit their W-2. Yeah. So I spent 20 years in corporate America climbing that corporate ladder, right? Had visions of being a VP. I never wanted to be a president. I always wanted to be VP of a big company very early in my career. I was in the IT industry and I found myself after a couple of employment changes, a principal in a small startup, we built the thing up. I was not part of the ownership, but I was very, one of the very first employees there, built it up and it was sold. Company was sold. I went along with the new company and that's really where my focus started. Like, okay, this acquisition has gone very horrible. I'm not making any money. We're living paycheck to paycheck. We just found out my wife was pregnant with our first. I'm like, 
something's got to change, right? Yeah. Something has got to change. And that's the rich dad, poor dad, you know, viable for all new investors. That's where I got my hands on that. And fast forward, I was telling this story to my son, actually. He, so he's now about to be nine. He asked me the other day, he said, dad, when did you decide that you were going to be a real estate investor? I was like, well, actually it was right when we found out that we were pregnant with you and we closed on our very first property when you were three weeks old. And I was like, there's no way you're going to remember that. But he kind of lit up and he was excited about hearing that story. And since then, you know, the first one, we were hooked and we just started buying very inexpensive. And I know that's a funny word to say in today's market, but very inexpensive rentals and kept building our portfolio and building our portfolio. And then about six years later, more acquisitions, more mergers in the corporate world, COVID hits. And I find myself on the end of a pink slip in May of 2020 for, and I'm using air quotes for people who are just listening, right? For COVID related reasons. And at that moment, I wasn't expecting it. I was running a sales team at the time and we were busting out our quota. We sold remote management so or remote productivity software. So think of like Microsoft Office 365 or Teams, all this stuff that people are now starting to use because of COVID. Everybody's working remote. And in the midst of that, our company decides to do a layoff. Kind of a funny story. But it's the best kick in the pants that I ever received, best motivator I ever received because it made me look at me like, all right, we're actually good. We're going to be okay. Some encouragement for my wife to make me realize that because I see a six-figure income that just went completely away, which we were living off of that in our investments. We were just, we weren't doing anything with except for just recycling, putting it back into newer opportunities and upcoming opportunities. But that six-figure income goes away. You're like, oh, what do I do now? That was three years ago. And We've made quite a few lifestyle changes to make that happen. Number one, we converted our primary house, which is where I'm sitting now, into a B&B. During the busy season, we're in Florida, not far from the beach. During the busy season, we travel. This is a rental. It does very well on B&B. And we homeschool our kids. We travel. We've been to almost half of the middle states. And the way we count that, by the way, is that we have to spend a night or do a meaningful event in that state. My wife and I kind of go back and forth. I was like, we should count the ones that we drive through. Like yeah. that should count because we're in Florida. I don't know that we're ever going to spend the night in, where was it? Mississippi. But then we did a couple of weeks ago because we were coming back and whatever. So it has been, you know, go along with the show of your title, Prison Break. I would have loved to have prideful and saying, hey, I did this. I took the leap of faith. But really, it took my boss and the company I was working for at the time, basically just to kick me out of the airplane. And luckily, I had that parachute on. Yeah, for sure. Well, you were also preparing for it because you bought your first properties while you were still yeah. in the W-2. So we'd love to hear about the first. That was a great story. And I have a lot to unpack there. But tell me about the first deal that you did, like how you found it, where it was, and just maybe some of oh, the man. balance issues with working a busy W-2 and trying to manage rentals. Yeah. So the way we found it, we burned through a bunch of realtors to mm -hmm. find it. Not knowing what we didn't know is our first deal. We would reach out to realtors, trying to find stuff on MLS. Wasn't real big into trying to wholesale or do any off-market campaigns. Yep. The job I had was just very highly demanding. I traveled, no, it was day trips, but I traveled 25, 50% of the time. So I was okay. going a lot, which allowed me to, to listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of audiobooks, right? But our first property, we burned through a lot of realtors who said they were investor-friendly, but when it came down to it, they were not comfortable making the offers that met our criteria. Property being listed for, let's say, 100000 bucks, and we would underwrite it and be like, mm, offer 
actually our target price is about 50 grand. So we want to start at 40 and we're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, and I finally found a realtor. He did not care what the asking price, he, our values aligned. So not only did we close that first property with him, but we ended up closing another 15 transactions with him because of this. And he started realizing kind of what we were buying, how we were going about it and underwriting it. And so when deals would come up to him before they would hit the market, he would bring them to us knowing that we could close on pretty quickly. And we got some really great deals out of working with them. So that was the first one. And, you know, the first one we bought purchase price, people were going to laugh at this. You're also probably going to think, man, that was in the hood. And yes, it was, but it was $25,000 for a one bedroom, one bath house. It was in the hood. We were trying to get started. It was on that edge. It was on one of those streets where houses coming up the street have been purchased and remodeled. Mm -hmm. And you could almost see the progression going that way. So that we bought it with the idea that we had a three-week-old baby. We were going to do all the renovations ourselves. And it was going to be fine. We didn't know so. what new parents would know, right? Yeah. We got a little crazy looks when we told folks that that was a game plan. They're like, but you're a new parent? I'm like, yeah, fine. I'm working weekends, nights, be fine. Anyway, that property became available to rent in February. Is when we finally <laughs> got it ready. And kind of a side note there, I went back and I was like, okay, here's what contractors quoted us at. And I said no to. I was like, but if they would have done it in their four to six week time frame and we would have placed a tenant not too long after that, we would be ahead. We would be ahead as far as gross revenue coming in yep. versus what we had spent. And like, so just outsource what you need to outsource, right? It was a great experience, great story to tell from that. And we just went from that. We had a really great tenant at the time. And luckily, because we didn't know what we were doing, self-managing, you know, I didn't want to hire a property manager not very trusting at that point in time. And I have a love-hate relationship with property managers right now. Actually, I hate them right now. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't know what we didn't know. But that was one of the things. We closed on that property. We instantly got hooked and said, okay, how do we do more of these, right? How did you buy that one? Did you pay cash? Did you use financing? I mean, how did you acquire we we use cash, but it was from a home equity line of credit from our primary house that we were living in at the time. Got it. And very so popular, I, very common way to for people yeah. to get involved, right? Is to use the leverage your primary residence. Yeah, we did that. And I think the interest rate then was probably around 7% for the HELOC. Yeah. And after all expenses done, we were still cash flowing over 300 bucks a month. I mean, it was just an incredible, incredible place to start. Got it. So 300 bucks a month cash flow, you essentially have no money in the deal because a HELOC is other people's money. So you got no money yeah. in the deal, you're cash flowing 300 a month. Do you still have that? And have you since maybe repaid the HELOC back or like, what's the strategy there? We held on to it for three years and then we ended up putting it on the market when we had a tenant transit, that perfect tenant, she moved out. We had a tenant transition. I was like, hey, let's try to sell this. Let's just see what we can get. It didn't sell. So we placed another tenant, increased rent. We're still cash flowing, still fine. And then out of the blue, somebody reached out to me and said, hey, are you still trying to sell that property on over there in West Pensacola? And I said, for the right price, I'll sell it. And they offered me 50 for it. And I took it. Basically, what we did with that is we closed on that and we did a 1031 exchange into a fourplex that we still own today that nice. we're, we're doing in the middle of a huge remodel project with that one. But okay, I love it. I'm going to ask you to break that down then. So, because 1031 okay. comes up a lot. Most people, I hate them, by the way. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever do another one. <laughs> well, this is good. This is good because I think a lot of people just assume because they read said Purple Book by Robert Kiyosaki that this is the way yeah. you, you got to do it, right? So, just kind of walk us through. 
what your thought process is and how you pulled that off. And it doesn't sound like you would do it again. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of the government. I mean, I'm a hashtag defund the IRS. I try to pay zero taxes every year. When I started hearing about 1031 exchanges and like, oh, this means I don't have to pay any more taxes. I was like, hey, this is a great idea. Let me try this. But you're under that window. It's 45-day window where you've got to identify the properties, right? And then you have another, I think it's 45, where you've got to actually close on the property. Mm-hmm. I don't like being pressured in any situation. And that was a very pressure-filled time. And so fact, where I say I'm not going to do another one, we did a second one. Or we started a second one. We got to the 45-day window. And I found myself identifying properties that did not hit our criteria but I felt the pressure of that window. I was like, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. So I just paid the penalty. I got my money back and I just used that cash for something else. But we 1031 into this fourplex. It's an older house. It was built in 1904. And so it's a humongous, beautiful colonial style house that got divided into four units back in the 80s. And I would love to say it cash flows great, but it's not it's only half occupied at the moment because we had back to the you know property managers. I hate them right now because we discovered one of our property manager on this property was stealing from us. Yeah. He was not taking care of tenants. Now, this is all on me because I'm not checking up on the property managers like I should have been. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of trust that was built up over the years. And when we took that property back over to them, it was just in disrepair. Now, this property is not in our local market. It's about an hour and a half, two hours away. It's not like I can drive by it all the time, but we are actively in the middle of a reproject right now. We're going to spend significant money to get it up and going. So, Got it. Okay. Well, that's a good share. I mean, look, real estate isn't always all roses and rainbows, right? There's challenges. It is on social media, Brian. What are you talking about, man? Everything is rainbows. Everyone's happy all the time. (laughs) Everyone loves everybody and there's never any problems. Everyone pays on time and nobody steals money from you. One of our our more popular segments that we do inside of our community, we'll have a virtual call like this and we're like, all right, guys, let's talk about where you screwed up. Let's talk about things that just really sucked. And we get into some nasty dirt and it's very relieving. Like it's probably one of the more popular things that we do inside of our community is talk about, what is it called? Blips and blunders. I think the nickname that we're giving it is like, where did you screw up? Where did things go wrong? And we hear some horror stories, man. And I'm talking, there's a member in there who he had this tenant, right? Now she's section eight. So her bill gets paid by section eight. One day, the son of the tenant calls and says, hey, have you spoken to so-and-so? And he goes, you know, we haven't heard from her, but she's paying rent. And they're like, oh, yeah, but she's Section 8, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, come to find out, she died in the property. And because the son wasn't in the local market, and apparently he just didn't feel like he needed to check up on her within a six-month time window, she had been decomposing for a while. And I'm like, how do you come back from that? <laughs> anyway. Like, how could you have done that? How could you have like been notified of that sooner? And I don't know. So it was a very interesting conversation. I have not heard that one yet, but uh, (laughs) uh, I have not experienced it. But I love what you said too, Jay, about when you were talking about the property manager and you said you took ownership of it. Like, hey, I was pretty much my fault. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, which most people have a hard time with that, right? They would just victimize and play that and just point at that particular person. Of course, he or she has a role, but... So do you. So I appreciate you sharing that. All right. What would you do differently? Because you were forced to exit the W-2, but you probably would have gotten to that point anyways with your rentals and your real estate portfolio. So when we're looking at doubling your portfolio in three to five years, or 
I don't know what your timeline is. Again, the topic that you brought to me, it's like, how do we go about doing that when we're working a busy W-2, we got family, we don't have enough time. We're going to talk about time and excuses as well, but just kind of walk us through how we're going to do this, Jay. It is so simple. And when I start explaining this, most people, they roll their eyes. They're like, it's not that simple. And I'm like, but it is because we have a community of folks who are doing it. And the reason why I can share that those numbers with you is because I can give you 10 specific examples of people who joined our community three years ago. Some of them had just started investing and some of them were on their way, right? They had bought a couple of properties. And in that three to five year mark, they had not only doubled their portfolio, but they were able to break out of the W-2 prison. It's backed by real data. And when I started seeing it, I was like, all right, let the analytical side of my brain started kicking. I was like, all right, what's the secret sauce? Because so far, this is just a community for people to get together online. Mm-hmm. When I started doing it, I was like, all right, here's how we can break it down. It really comes down to how Elrod, how Elrod has labeled uh, growth trends. A lot of people don't know what that means, and they maybe have some gray definition of what that is. But here's how I label growth friends in the real estate investing world is growth friends are people who you talk to about growing your portfolio, talk about how to grow your wealth, your income, providing a legacy for your family. And then that's it. It's really the only four or five topics that you talk about. And for the sake of this exercise, everybody else is what we call a maintenance relationship. So you got growth friends, you got maintenance relationship. In the growth friends exercise, this is what I ask people to do. And if you're listening or watching, I want you to follow along. Basically, you just get out a sheet of paper. It doesn't matter what, how big, but you're going to make two columns. Left-hand column is maintenance for growth friends. Right-hand column is maintenance relationships. You pick up your phone and you go through the last 20 phone calls that you made or received. And if you talked about one of those four things, four or five things about building wealth, rental properties, growing your portfolio, you put them down into the growth friends column. Everybody else goes into the maintenance relationships, right? Once you get done with your phone calls, then you go to your text messages because most of us text these days, right? Instead of calling, you do the same exact exercise. And most people who struggle with deal flow or finding their next rental or doing anything of building true wealth and trying to break out of prison, they look at that list. And can you guess which side is heavier? Almost nine times out of 10. Maintenance, 100%. Maintenance relationships. The sucky thing about this is maintenance relationships also include your family, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, whoever, that's not talking about building wealth, growing your real estate portfolio. Because I look at who my growth friends are, there's not a family member over there. They all still think I'm crazy. I love my parents to death, but they still ask me, hey, Jay, when are you going to get a real job? Yeah, like I, I was laid off three years ago. You know, like we're traveling, we're spending more time with our kid than most people get to in a month, and most people do in a year. And I was like, I don't see it happening. I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see me going back. Hundred percent not. I mean, why would you? That was just simply awesome. What you? That's an exercise that everyone should go through. I'm going to go through that. So thank you for sharing <laughs> that. If I'm listening to this right now. I've heard you mention your online community and they're probably saying they're my ears perked up. I'm sure theirs did too. Talk about your online community and where can we learn more about it? So the community basically, I get a lot of people say, well, I don't have people that I can put in the growth friends column, right? Like we kept hearing that, kept hearing that. And quite frankly, the community started out because I'm technology nerd right now. I've grown out of my introverted personality, but starting out, I knew the way that we had closed on a couple of properties and I was like, all right, we've got the bug, but we really want to scale. How do we scale? And I started talking to my friends, coworkers, and did not talk to my family about it because I already knew their stance on it. 
And I'm like, but if I'm going to grow, I got to get around other people. There was a local RIA here that was 45 minutes away. Wife was, she was pregnant with number two at the time, I believe, Mm -hmm. and starting to have some complications. So I didn't want to leave her alone for four or five hours if I didn't have to. I joined an online community, not real estate related, but I saw what they were doing. I was like, I'm a pretty smart guy for technology. I can just do this for real estate investing. So the W2 Capitalist community was born and that's just morphed over the years into what it is today. And it's really just an online, it's a very boutique place. And we focus on busy parents, right? So busy parents who are married and they've closed at least one deal right? They've gotten the bug and they want to double their portfolio. We have a couple of different things that we do that I think makes us unique is when somebody comes in and asks a question, and this could be in our online community or on a virtual call similar to this. The only way that question gets answered is from somebody who has experience dealing exactly with that. And when I say we have a wide range of people who have experience, you heard me talk about the dead person, right? (laughs) In that unit. There's a wide range of experience in just different scenarios. And the other thing that we do that I feel like makes us unique is when somebody answers that question. If you don't know, like, Brian, I ask a question and you respond and you say, well, hey, here's how I would handle this. And I'm like, well, Brian, I didn't know you had that experience about like, I'm going to call you out. I call people out. I encourage other folks to call me out and say, if you don't know that person has their experience, call them out, ask them for more details. Like, tell me more about your specific situation. Because folks get caught up, they want to help out. There is a very rare chance that we refer to blog post or podcast or, hey, I heard this over here. We want real life experience because, and it just drives those connections. And what happens inside that community is those connections build, then just organically people partner, you know, it goes back to the growth friends list. So now instead of having those conversations about whatever documentary shows on, you know, streaming and popular to talk around the water cooler. Now, instead of going to the water cooler to talk, if people go to the office now, I don't really know. Instead of doing that or spending time talking about whatever the case is, mm-hmm. now you're engaged with your community and it's talking about building wealth, building your portfolio, growing your income streams. It just organically happens. So when I say it's easy to double, like you still have to put in the work. Everybody's got to put in the work. But the easy part is, is you evaluate who you're hanging around with, who you're spending your time with, and just realize that has to change. And Brian, if you and I are good friends, and but you're not into real estate investing, I'm not going to come to you and say, Brian, I can't hang out with you anymore because you don't want to talk about real estate investing, building financial wealth, or building a legacy for my kids. I'm wasting my time. I'm not going to do that, right? But what I'm going to tell you is, Brian, you call me up. Hey, Jay, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know. Maybe they'll sponsor your show. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but hey, if we go to Buffalo Wild Wings, let's grab a beer. There's a game on tonight. You're going to spend three or four hours there doing whatever, watching the game, drinking beer. I'm going to tell you no, because that's not what I'm focused on. And after I tell you no several times, you're probably going to drift off. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to be as encouraged to engage or try to get me to go hang out with you. And guess what? I'm not going to really care because my focus is now hanging out with my time and my plate is going to be full hanging out with people who are helping me grow, right? And vice versa, I'm helping them grow because I'm going to have experiences that they're not going to have. Yeah, that's good. And I wouldn't be offended. And and uh, <laughs> hey, if Buffalo Wild Wings sponsors a W2 Prison Break show, if somebody's listening, I'm open to I mean, it. I'm I open, think I'm open for do. business, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's talk a little wings. bit. Let's talk. They do. They do. I'm a Wingstop guy too. But let's talk about, so either one, Wingstop or Buffalo. It, Wingstop or, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's stay on this a little bit because this is important about who you spend your time with and how you spend your time as well. Because 
a lot of folks out there, and we're calling them out, right? Uh, yeah. Popular excuse, I made it for decades, so I was trying to leave my job, is I don't have time for that. I don't have time to do real estate. You know, I'm married. I got a kid. I got stuff I'm doing. I'm busy. I'm traveling 100,000 miles a year. I'm sure you've heard it all. You might have made a couple of those. So what would you say, or how would you address that? You just talked about the people, but again, how we're spending mm-hmm. our time. What advice would you lend to the listeners? Yeah, we were talking before the record button and uh, was hit and you said, hey, we're going to get you going. I was like, hey, excuses. Yeah, excuses get me going because I've probably made them all. And typically they're not excuses. They're just objections because you're not willing to give up the comfort of, you know, sitting down on Sundays. And I'm guilty as this as ever is sitting down on Saturdays or Sundays in the fall and watching 10, 12 hours of football and doing nothing else. Right. Well, if I did that on Saturday and Sunday, there's 20 hours. And here's the trick. It takes about 30 minutes a day to get going on this path. What most people do, what I advise them is take 30 minutes of your lunch break every day, make two phone calls. Some of them you're not going to connect with. Some of them are only going to last 10 minutes. Make two phone calls to people who are on the growth friends list. And when you get tired of talking about them, add to it. One of the best questions is, you know, you sit down and you talk to somebody who's on the growth friends list. and You're talking about real estate investing. You're like, look, I'm trying to expand my network. Who do you know that I should probably be talking to, Right. Simple ask question. They may tell you, I don't know anybody. Chances are that's not going to happen. The excuse thing, it really does get me going. I can almost find, and and there is, I think at the end of this, we're going to give some links, but there's a link for you to schedule time with me. If you are sitting there saying, I just don't have 30 minutes a day. That's total bullshit. I'm going to find at least an hour a day. Now, there's been one case where I was not able to find available time when I went through this exercise. Now, this lady, she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. she had four kids and she was working two jobs. And I was like, you know what? And we went through how she was spending her day. I was like, you're right. You have no time whatsoever. And because I've never been in your situation, I don't have that experience. I can't speak to how to help you. And I'm sorry. And so that's kind of why she I re- probably I wasn't re-focused. making a bunch of excuses though, Jay. No, they were not excuses. They were just like, you're busy. Like I get it. Like you need yeah. some help. I don't know how to get you there. That's why we focus on busy parents because my wife and I, we've got three kids all under eight and we homeschool, we travel. So the excuses are, are their objections to get rid of that comfortable lifestyle that, that we all tend to migrate toward and never get out of. I love that. I'm highlighting that. Give me an example or two. Give us an example or two or how you've been able to add an hour back in somebody's day. Because again, you said 30 minutes is all it takes to get started in this. Yeah. Well, part of it is who are you talking to and spending your time with? Right there, most people can find that 30 minutes and they're just simply adjusting that. The other thing is you go to work, right? You got kids, maybe you drop off to school, maybe you're homeschooling, but you're going to work. You may be working from home, but at the end of the day, you're mentally exhausted. The only thing you want to do is plop down in front of the TV and just absorb and not really do anything. I get it. I get it. This is where if you want to get really aggressive at this is you change and you get up earlier, right? Now, I don't want a lot of people to tune out right now because I'm saying get up earlier. I'm also saying go to bed earlier, yep. right? And so instead of staying up, and I'm not perfect at this. Last night, I'm rewatching Peaky Blinders. It's a great show. I love it. I was up till 1230 last night watching because I got hooked. You know, I got hooked into it. And I'm like, yeah. and the old thing popped up and said, are you still watching? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. I need to go to bed. And I got up late this morning. So I'm not perfect. But I also don't provide the excuse of, well, I don't have time. I think it starts with most people reducing the amount of time they watch TV and making that shift 
to doing real estate investing activities earlier in the day, because at the end of the day, you're exhausted, your kids and your spouse are pointing you in different directions, and really, you just want to sit there and kind of veg out because you've had a stressful day at work. When you get serious about this, you make that shift to doing real estate investing activities at the beginning of the day, finding that time, finding that 30 minutes. And here's another trick that I learned along the way is if you normally get up at seven, I'm not saying get up at five o'clock tomorrow morning because you might do that for a couple of days, but you're going to eventually fail because your body's not used to it. And you're probably still going to be staying up till midnight watching whatever documentary series you want to watch, but treat it as an exercise. You don't go in the gym. You look like you're a fit guy, maybe a runner, right? Do you run? I do some running. I work out four or five times a week. So yes, thank you for the kind words. You're welcome. So I'm not. like I don't work out. I may do 15 or 20 minutes of yoga two or three times a week. That's about all I do. I'm not going to go tomorrow if you call me up and say, Jay, let's go run a marathon. There's no way I would do that. I might say, hey, let's sign up and maybe walk a mile and then go find a bar and then I'll hit you up at the finish line. That's probably what I'm going to do. But I'm fell at the marathon piece, right? So you treat it as an exercise. And so instead of saying, I'm going to start getting up at two hours earlier, get up 15 minutes earlier. Do that for a couple of weeks, then get up 15 minutes earlier than that. But on the flip side of that is you're also setting a bedtime alarm. So you're not up till 1230 wing stop and watching Peaky Blinders, right? You're also setting a bedtime alarm to start going to bed 15 minutes earlier. You're making your body physically adjust to your environment. And that's where you really start. Like back when I had the W-2, I mean, I was getting up at 4.30 very routinely. Most of the time before my alarm ever went off, I got a good two hours, sometimes two and a half hours in of real estate investing activities. And then the rest of the house started waking up. Once the rest of the house started waking up, reminder, three kids, wife, my dad was shot. Like that time I had to focus on building our legacy was gone because I had about 30 minutes with them and then I was off to the W-2. And by the time I got home, mentally, physically exhausted. You were Didn't want to do anything. Yep. 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 But you made that sacrifice. I mean, most people are not willing to do what you did to build a lifestyle, right? They're just not willing. But it took us about three years. Yeah. Realistic timeline. So the takeaways there for me, Jay, for the audience is number one, it's baby steps. You don't have to wake up tomorrow at 4.30. If you're waking up at six, you know, wake up at 5.45, go to bed 15 minutes earlier and just stack on that. Like winning days, stack a bunch of good days together. And ultimately you continue to do that and you give yourself a period of time like you three years, you're going to win. You're going to win your life. That's what it's all about. Can we still do real estate deals in this market? I've been meaning to ask you that. I mean, everyone's panicking and talking about the market. I hear all the time. I mean, can we still do deals in this market? We can. We are doing them. When somebody brings up recession or whatever trending buzzword you want to put in there, I know immediately that they're hooked into the mainstream media news. And that's another way to get back a lot of mental space is just to unplug, go cold turkey, turn that crap off. But yes, we can. So one of the things that has spun up out of our community is I kept hearing folks in our community saying, look, I've got this really great deal, but they had trouble finding funding or didn't really know how to navigate hard money lending and whatnot. So one of the things that we did as a group, I got together with a couple of guys who'd been in the community for a few years. One of them has specific, like he was a broker. So we created W2CAP Capital, which is a hard money lending solution for our community and for our networks. But we are funding deals like we closed on two deals yesterday, and these are fix and flip deals. And one was in Florida and the other one was in Ohio, I think. I wasn't too involved in those two deals. But the other thing is we have a handful that we're servicing now to the tune of about 
1.2 million that we're servicing now. And that's new construction, fix and flips. And to the point we're extending that whole portfolio to be able to offer like DSER rental loans and some transactional funding for wholesalers and stuff like that. So yes, there are deals that happen. Now, what I will say is with current market conditions, what we're seeing is it's weeding out a bunch of people who are not serious about building their wealth and being focused. The low-hanging fruit and the easy-picking days, they're at least on pause right now. Sure. You got to work a little bit harder. You got to be a little bit more consistent. And I just love it when I hear, you know, prices are too high, interest rate recession, 70,000 realers exited the market. Like, I love hearing that stuff because I know it's just because as long as we stay the course and stay the path, there's always going to be deals. Always, always, always in every market, every single state. Like, you can't do deals in San Diego. It's like, yeah, you can. Can't do deals in Florida. Yes, you can. We just mentioned one. So. I don't buy into that nonsense. And I'm with you. Unplug the TV and stop listening to the talking heads. The uh, Where we closed that deal yesterday, we also had one of our mastermind calls last night and one of our members who's in Florida and South Florida where there's no deals, interest rates are crazy, insurance costs are crazy. And she came on there and she goes, hey, I got a verbal approval on a seven unit. And I was like, how'd you find it? And she said, well, it's a friend or a friend of a friend. Just to kind of circle back. Yeah, I know this member. She's constantly talking to her friends about, here's what I want. Here's what I'm looking for. Back to that growth friends list and having those conversations. So she has almost doubled her portfolio just this year. No, she has. I'm sorry. She has. She's up to, with this one, I think it was 64 units just in the last year. So in this last year where interest rates have been crazy and can't find deals, she's done it. Awesome. You know, there are deals to be had in every market. You got to figure out where they are. And that's totally. The, frustrating part for most. Sometimes you just got to look. That's helpful when you just look. All right. We've talked a lot about your awesome community. So where do we go, Jay? Because I know the listeners are chopping at the bit to get in touch with you. So what's the best move for them moving forward? Yeah. So w2capitalist.com is the landing page. And we just put out this new little video like pop-up. It's very small. It's in the corner and it provides like links to all the commonly asked questions or frequently asked questions there. I'll point you guys, that's where you can schedule a call with me. You can find out more about the community. We can dive into why you have the excuse that I have no time if you're bold enough to have that conversation with me. Or we can underwrite a deal. I love underwriting deals. I love looking at new markets and really challenging people because most of the time when I do these under like one-on-one underwritings, I want to practice. Most of the time, I don't know about their markets. So it's really, I love asking those questions about, all right, how much rent is a 2-1 going to get in this market? Yeah, I don't know. Like, well, you you probably need to know that. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that sounds like something that the listeners should take advantage of. Hey, guys, this is the WT Prison Break Show. All right. If you're interested in real estate, you want to double your portfolio and exit your W2 next three to five years, I would highly encourage you to get in touch with Jay. A lot of value added to this episode. As we wrap up here, Jay, this has been tremendous. Is there anything that you wanted to share any any final thoughts? Maybe something I didn't ask you that you wanted to just leave with us before we go. So where our community is focused on people who have closed at least a deal, that's a recent change of focus for us because there are many resources out there that want to help people get started in real estate investing. Really where we've kind of found our niche is helping people who have closed a deal and they've got that bug and they really want to double. But I do have a book that's geared toward I would say newbie investors, but people who really and experienced investors get this too, that experience that paralysis analysis. They don't know if they're doing it right or they talked yourself out of a deal or whatnot. Yeah. It's an Amazon bestseller. And now I'm to the point where I'm just giving it away. You can go to makeanoffer.com 
I think, Brian, you have that link. If you don't, I can send it to you. But it's makingofferbook.com, and I'll ship you a free one. Awesome. Well, definitely. He's an Amazon bestseller too, folks. I mean, it just gets better and better. We'll leave that link in the show notes. Jay, we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show because I'm really excited to see how your community continues to grow and more stories. You're creating cool stories. That's super important. Thanks for your time, all the value. I got a bunch of notes and everyone make it a great day. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Well, that was awesome. I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was from that episode. Again, I encourage you all to email me, brian at w2prisonbreak.com, B-R-I-A-N at w2prisonbreak.com. I love the excuses are just objections comment. I never really thought of it that way. That was probably one of my biggest takeaways. Make sure you take advantage of getting in touch with Jay, looking at his community, And clearly, this guy knows how to get busy married couples to double their portfolio. So go ahead and check that out. I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next week.